We are continuing a series today called What's Going On? And we're looking at the Bible, and we're looking at how the Bible teaches us about the end of time, the end, when, when Jesus returns. Some people look at this and they're like, this feels a little bit like a fairy tale, feels a little bit like a storybook. Like, like this, is this really gonna happen? Well, I'll tell you, everything that God said that was going to happen has happened leading up to the one final thing, and that is the return of, of, of Jesus. And we're gonna to try to understand this. So let me give you a roadmap of where we've been going this summer and, and where we're headed to over the next few weeks so that we can all be on the same page together. The first week of June, I showed you a chart. I think they're gonna put the chart up on the, on, and we, we unpacked this chart together, and it was one of those moments. Um, and you can actually check the message out online if you weren't here for this. But we went through this chart and we said, this is kinda of a, 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 a timeline of the end of time, of, of the end times the Bible speaks of. We talked about over in this section where it says the present church age, this really is, is where we're living right now. This is like from this line back, like, like history. This one actually began though when Jesus died and when he was resurrected and uh, he, uh, then he came, he rose from the dead and he walked on earth for about 40 days and then he ascended into heaven and he told the disciples and the people that followed him, wait, wait, wait for the gift my father has promised you. And, and, and shortly thereafter, they received this powerful gift of the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They spoke of the word of God boldly, courageously. The church was born at that point. And for the last 2,000 plus years, the church has made incredible inroads into spreading the good news that Jesus forgives, that Jesus saves. Now, this church age is gonna to come to an end. It, it will stop. And, and, and we'll, it'll stop at the point of the rapture of the church. And we talked about this, and I won't get uh, reteach this over again. You can go back and listen to it, but Jesus is gonna come back. There's gonna be the, in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says. The trumpet call of God is gonna sound. The voice of the archangel is gonna thunder across the sky. And, and Jesus is going to return. And we're gonna, the dead in Christ are gonna rise first, those who have already died. They're gonna rise out of their graves, whether they were cremated or lost at sea or, or never found or buried. They're, if they were saved, they're gonna rise from their graves, whatever that looks like, and they're gonna meet Jesus in the air. And shortly thereafter, I'm going on a trip that I invite you to go on a trip with me, okay? And we're gonna go meet Jesus together. And only those people will be able to avoid the tribulation. Everybody else will be left behind. During that tribulation period, and there are some people out there that have bought into the lie. It says, well, I, I don't want to fully commit my life to Jesus now because I feel like I'll be more effective and more helpful if I can live through this tribulation period. It's exactly what the enemy wants you to think. The tribulation period is going to be about three and a half years of, of, of wars and pain and suffering on the earth like we don't even understand. And then it hasn't even really begun yet. And then during that seven-year tribulation, the last three and a half years is called the Great Tribulation. And that's the point in time that um, if you don't take the mark of the beast, a 666 on your forehead or your, or your right hand, whatever that looks like, you won't be able to buy things, sell things. You won't be able to, um, you're going to be killed, threatened, um, exiled. All, all sorts of things will happen to you. You'll watch your children suffer in front of you so you'll, you'll take the mark of the beast. 
Just a horrible, horrible thing. So we, we want you to avoid that. Although those of us that have, were raptured during this particular time, this seven-year period, we get to enjoy one of the greatest um, restaurants that there ever was, right? We get to sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb and enjoy a great banquet with Jesus. We get to go through a judgment called the judgment seat of Christ. And, and if you get to go to that judgment, that's a good thing because that's the time where you're gonna be accused of your sins, but it's just gonna be forgiven, 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 forgiven. It's gonna be a beautiful thing for those of us that have been raptured, but for those that have been left behind, they're gonna suffer hell on earth. And then Jesus is gonna come back again, which we'll talk about in a few seconds. Then there's a thousand year period. And some people ask me, what's that all about? What's that all about? Jesus is gonna establish his rule and reign upon the earth. Is it this literal earth? Well, we'll touch on that in a little bit. And then there's gonna come one final judgment where Satan is gonna be bound and thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, never to bother anybody anymore. And then we enter into what's called the eternal state or the new heavens and the new earth. And that was a lot of stuff that we cover. We've been then after that, the next week that we met together, we started going through the book of Revelation together. The book of Revelation is probably one of the most scary, most difficult books to fully understand. And we decided we're gonna break it down into five sections. And if you can just remember the five sections, then you won't be scared or intimidated by reading the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And I said section one was the first three chapters. And I said, really, the, the, the theme of section one is Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Alpha, Omega, it's like letters of the Greek alphabet, the, 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 the language that the New Testament was written in. So really, Jesus is the A to Z. He's our all in all. Somebody say amen. And, and then the, the main idea is, is Jesus is, he's, he's coming back. Jesus is returning soon. It's going to happen. That's the first three chapters. That's kind of in a nutshell what it, what it summarizes. And then I said section two was the next two chapters, chapters four and five. And I said that Jesus is the lamb of God. And the main idea is he's the only one who's worthy to open the scrolls. What are you talking about, Troy? Well, in the book of Revelation, there's a lot of imagery. And John sees this vision Jesus is giving him some 95 years into the future after Jesus rose from the dead. And and John gets this, 65 years, excuse me, John's about 95 years old. And so he gets this revelation and Jesus is showing him this, this scroll that's sealed with seven different seals. And each time a seal is broken, the scroll gets opened a little bit more. And then the next one's broken, it gets opened a little bit more. And the angel is reading this scroll. Well, there's only one person that's worthy to open the scroll in this vision, and that is, that is Jesus, the Lamb, the Lamb of God. And then, and then we, uh, we went on to section number three. And we said, section number three, this is where it is the difficult one. This is, this is uh, chapter six through 18. And the theme is Jesus is the righteous judge. And, and really the main idea is Jesus righteously judges the earth. This, this is where it gets really, really sad, really frightening. If you want to lose a little sleep, um, then this isn't, if, if you've got insomnia and you want to go to sleep, don't read 6 through 18. If you want to stay awake, read 6 through 18. This is where God tells us about his wrath that will be poured out upon the earth because of the sins of mankind. And we might say it's not fair. It doesn't feel right. You're not God. He didn't ask for your opinion. He doesn't need your opinion. He's not changing his mind. 
This is not a democracy. It's called a theocracy. He's in charge. There's only one vote, and it's his. Now, when we settle that in our minds and realize he's God and we're not, it's going to make life a whole lot easier and more manageable. But what the devil wants you to think is you get a vote in this. The only vote you get is to determine whether you want to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or not. And by not voting, you choose not. (sighs) Section number three. Today we're going to do sections four and five. I'm going to be kind of brief with those in this final book of the Bible. But as I said, I'm going to give you a roadmap. Next weekend, we are privileged to hear from our level two second year intern that gets the opportunity to preach her first full message behind the pulpit, both at our Modesto campus on Saturday night and our Lathrop campus on Sunday morning. Michelle Smith is going to speak next, next Sunday. It's going to be incredible. I need you to be a champion. We're like a university hospital at New Life Church, right? We're training up people, so when she says something, you need to lean forward and clap. Amen, amen, hallelujah, and support her in preaching the good news. Somebody say amen. Amen. Yes. And then the next week, a a few months ago, Pastor Tasha was scheduled to preach. And she had a message on, believe it or not, the, the, the seven churches in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. And she got COVID, so she wasn't able to. So I told her, hold that message. I have a feeling that it's going to become really important that you share it at a later date. God knows what he's doing. And I talked to her about it, and she is going to share that message and bring some clarity to what those, the first three chapters of the book of Revelation are on uh, that next weekend. And then finally, the weekend of the 15th and 16th, I believe it is, July, I will be preaching in Portola, California that weekend, as I do every year, the host site of our epic summer camps, getting that church excited about what God is doing in the next generation. And Pastor Trinity will be speaking on that particular weekend as we do the, um, the kind of catapult our next generation into the biggest week of the year for our kids and teens. The biggest week of the year on the calendar for our kids and teens at New Life Church is the week of epic camp. And then the final Two weeks of July, I will be preaching. And actually, I've decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a Q&A time. Haven't done one of those in many years. The Q&A time, you're going to see up on the screen is a QR code. If you'd like to, and we'll put this up the next several weeks, but if you'd like to ask me any question uh, about the end times, about the Bible, about something that I said, maybe about I'm confused about this, I will not mention your name because I don't want anybody to be embarrassed. If you've got questions about the church and about what's happening, some of your questions you submit, I might respond to you individually. Uh, But some of your questions, I'm going to be probably like, you know what, there are other people that are going to know the answer to that question. And so we're going to take those questions and formulate a message around the questions that people ask. Now, here's the deal. There's two sides to this coin. This is not stump the pastor time. Um, I'm cool with that if you want to do that. But I guarantee the questions that you're going to ask me to try to stump me are not going to interest anybody else in the crowd. So these are questions about what you really wonder about. And there's no foolish questions. So maybe you, maybe you have a question that you think, I think everybody probably knows that. Well, if you don't know, that probably means eight or nine out of 10 people don't know either. So let's, let's address some questions. So here's how you do it. You just scan the QR code. It'll take you to a private place on our website. Nobody else will see it. We can submit your questions. They'll automatically be emailed to me. And then I can be thinking about those questions over the next several weeks. The challenge with, I, I'm not gonna take questions from the floor that day. We, we gotta stay time on task because we've got limited time together. So I hope that you'll be a part of it. Sound good about where we're going? Yes? Section four, here we go. Chapters 19 and 20. There's only 22 chapters in the book of Revelation. 
Revelation. Section four, uh, the, the theme of section four is Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And the main idea is Jesus returns with his church. Revelation chapter 19, I'd like to start in verse number 11 this morning. I hope you have your Bibles open. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse. White horse, it's kind of a Roman symbol of the emperor who would ride that if he won the war. So there's symbolism in this. Whose rider was called, is called faithful and true. That's Jesus is the rider. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. Um, this isn't like a robe that, you know, just kind of touches. Oh, look, it's kind of got a little ring of red around the bottom. It's very beautiful. This, this blood is, it's, it's just, it's all over this robe. The blood represents those who have um, been, succumbed to God's wrath. Uh, it, it's a slaughter is what it is. And his name is the word of God. Hmm. So John's got, John's got this vision that he's sharing. And I want you to remember 95 years earlier, John, the same guy, wrote the beginning of the gospel of John. Let's, I'm going to turn back there. It'll be on the screen. But beginning of the gospel of John, in John chapter 1, the same John, 95 years earlier, said this about Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then verse number 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. That's why his name 95 years later is, is the word of God. Verse number 14, the armies of heaven were following him. That's you and me. Woo. Riding on white horses, that's because we're purified, we're Christ-like, we get to ride the same horse that Jesus is riding, I mean, he's transformed us, and we're dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Jesus has got his robe dipped in the blood because he's the one who does the fighting, he's the one who wages the war on sinful humanity. We, on the other hand, are purified. We're, we're white, we're clean linen, fine linen. In other words, if, if you were to be seen right now for your righteousness, for your good deeds, it would be nasty. But because we've been purified through Jesus, set apart, we're set free, we're saved, he sees us and he dresses us completely different. And it goes on and says, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. A, a sharp, a sharp, a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. The sword of the Spirit. The, the Bible is the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God is coming out of his mouth. This is the battle of Armageddon. When Jesus, put the chart back up for me, would you please? When Jesus comes back for, for this uh, second return here, the return of Christ, and then, and then he, he, he's, there's this battle going on. The, the people who decided to follow God during the tribulation. Now, the Christians all went up in the rapture. But those people that were eh, lukewarm, that were committed in their walk with Jesus, they were left behind. But they probably remembered, my grandmama said, 
my, my grandpappy, he was right. I, I should have listened. I should have followed. I, what I learned in Sunday school was true. And, the, and those that decided to follow Jesus in the tribulation, at, most of them were beheaded and killed and executed and all those things, but some are still alive and now they're trapped. There's no way to get out. And Jesus comes back, the Bible says, to rescue those people in this battle called Armageddon. And let me remind you, we're coming back with Jesus, but we ain't gonna fight. He doesn't need you to fight. He doesn't need me to fight. He will fight the war, and the Bible says he will fight the war with the sword of the Spirit. He will speak a word, and it will be a slaughter. That's the power of the God that we we serve. Can't emphasize it enough. Jesus is victorious. Verse, let's keep going. He, He treads... Uh, excuse me, verse number 15, coming in his mouth a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of fury of the wrath of God Almighty. This is all about the, 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 the war that he's waging. It's gonna be, be incredibly powerful. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried out in a loud voice, to all the birds flying in midair. Come gather together for the great supper of God so that you may eat the flesh of the kings and generals and the mighty, the horses and their riders and the flesh of all people, free and slave, great and small. I mean, this is is so much blood, so much carnage that the angel is saying, birds come and feast. Then I saw... The beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured and with it all the, with the, the false prophet who had performed the signs on his behalf. During, on the chart, during the tribulation period, there's going to be this, this antichrist that's going to rise to power and his cohort is the, the false prophet. And these two are, at this time are going to be destroyed. Listen to what it says. But the beast was captured with it, and with it the false prophet who performed the signs on his behalf. And with, with these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest, the rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. And so justice prevails. And then in Revelation chapter 20, the first six verses explains that Jesus establishes this 1,000-year reign upon earth. During this time, Satan is bound and he no longer controls or influences anyone. It is an incredible time of peace and blessing, and we will get to experience that together. In our little finite minds now, we're living in an 80-year timeline. We can't even imagine a millennial of being with Jesus. But the 80 years better count because what you do with your 80 years matters. I was talking to somebody earlier this week and I was trying to explain to them, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. It's, it's, it's not how you begin. Parents, it's not how you began as a mom and dad, it's how you end as a mom and dad. I've seen a lot of parents actually begin well, but end poorly. I think you should flip that at least. If you're going to choose one or the other, I'd rather you begin and end well, but no matter what, end well. Do whatever it takes to end well. That is the priority. Because you do not want your children or your children's children going through that. So justice prevails. 
Then in Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 through 10, it just kind of summarizes. It says at the end of that thousand-year period, and I didn't write it, so I'm just the reporter. Satan is going to be released from this abyss for a short period of time in which he's going to try to deceive the nations. And I could spend six months talking about just this part, trying to dive into this to understand it a little bit more. We're not going to, not at this point anyway. But Satan is released for this short time, and somehow he rallies some demonic foes. You might have a question, where do they come from? We'd have to really dive into that a little bit deeper another time. But they tried to attack God's people again. But but God will, I think God might want to remind the people, even after that thousand years, I am still God. You got to hang with me for the last thousand years. I am still almighty God. And so we read in Revelation chapter 20, verse number number 10, and the devil who had deceived them at the end of this thousand years was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. (laughs) There's coming a day, enemy of my soul, that you will get what you deserve. Hmm. Chapter 20 concludes with what's known as the great white throne judgment. And I'd like you to read this with me, verse number 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in these books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Notice it doesn't say, but Jesus the mediator steps in and says, forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. Because these were people that while they were alive, absolutely refused to give their lives over to Christ. And there's nothing that can be done for them now. There's no praying for the dead, guys. Choose you this day, whom will you serve? Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. And the lake of fire is the second death. Verse 15, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. When you read the book of Revelation, it will build your faith if you are saved. When you commit your life to Christ, pray a prayer. Jesus, I am a sinner. I acknowledge that. I have messed things up. I've done, said, thought, participated in some things that I deeply regret. I am so sorry. I don't want to sweep it under the rug. I don't want to forget it. I want to be honest and, and confess it. There's nothing I can do but say I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me of all my sins and come into my heart 
Will you change my life? And when you do that, Jesus will forgive you all your sins. But if you don't do that, it's not that he doesn't want to forgive you. It's that you've decided for him. And when you do ask for forgiveness, your name gets recorded in what's known as the book of life. It's like a reservation list. I said, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's coming back. I said, he is the Lamb of God. He's the only one worthy to open the scrolls. I said, I said that he's the righteous judge and he's gonna judge, judge the earth for all of its sins. And I don't know about you, but that brings comfort to me for those of us that are kind of on the front lines against what sin is doing and just the carnage that's left behind. I said, I said he's the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords. And then the final section that I am so excited, I'm, I'm delighted to bring this to you, is section five, chapters 21 and 22. Jesus is the bridegroom and we are the bride. And all the ladies in here are like, oh, and all the guys in here are like, that is what? Jesus is the bride, bridegroom and we're the bride. And the, the main idea is he takes his church, that's us, to the heavenly city, to, to heaven. Hmm. Chapter 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. Don't, don't get confused with the Jerusalem and stuff. You've been, it can be confusing. I'll help you with it. Coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And John gets this. Remember, Jesus has given him this revelation through this angel. And John gets this, this glimpse of the new heavens and the new earth. Just a peekaboo through the curtain. Verse number six. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Do not get confused. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. He expects you to be forgiven. If your name is written in the book, You've asked for forgiveness. Your heart will become more sensitive to when you do mess up. And when you do mess up, you'll very quickly say, God, I blew it again. Would you walk with me? Forgive me. Get me on the right track. Help me to not do this stupid thing again. That's relationship with God. So when you sin after you're saved, you don't lose your salvation. You should, you should lean into your relationship with Jesus. But what the devil wants you to believe is when you make a mistake, when you blow it, he wants you to think that it's over. Just like maybe some of your parents ostracized you and abandoned you 
or somebody else in your life did that to you, the devil wants you to think that's what God's gonna do and that is not what a loving father does. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He loves you too much though to let you stay the same way you are. <laughs> All right. Verse number nine. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven plagues said to me, come, I'm gonna show you the bride. That's the church, that's us, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. What? John's now gonna get this incredible description of the capital city of heaven, the new Jerusalem. It's the capital city. And if you continue reading, I'm not gonna read it to you, but the rest of the chapter, it's just gonna be all these pearls and jewels and beauty that you're gonna see in streets. This is where you get the streets of gold at. It's in this chapter. This is just the capital city of heaven. It isn't even the whole nation or world or whatever. It's just, by the way, Ruth Graham Lotz, Billy Graham's daughter, once preached a message, I heard her preach. And she said, she said because it describes the, the, the length and height and breadth of, of this, just the capital city. And it's 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. It's like a cubed thing. We think two-dimensional two right now, but it's three-dimensional. And she said, if everybody who ever made it, whoever lived on the entire planet in all of human history made it to heaven, which is not gonna happen, but if everybody did, she said, I'd done the math. And the math says that that would mean that approximately every human being that, that's in heaven would, in the capital city of heaven alone, have 75 acres to themselves. And I thought to myself, heaven is a big place. It's vast. It's expansive. Some of you feel very crowded. Some of you feel very tight. You've never really had a place of your own. You're, that's not what heaven's going to This is just the capital city, let alone. You're going to enjoy this thing. Amen. I mean, just you're going to have a blast. We're going to have a great time together. It's going to be fun. <laughs> and think about the alternative. Why are we messing around with this thing? John gets this exclusive look at, at just the capital city of heaven and the rest of the chapter just kind of describes what he saw. And so we come to my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. It's the last chapter of the last of the 66 books of the Bible. It's chapter 22 in the book of Revelation. John has just seen this incredible, intense, powerful, scary, um, kind of awful revelation of Jesus Christ. And now there's this epilogue there's this appendage, there's like this conclusion is what chapter 22 is. It's like the salutation kind, it's like the end. I love it. And in it, it, it contains in this one chapter really two parts, an invitation and a warning. Okay, the invitation is basically wash your robes so you can come in. Purify yourself. Um, you can't stand before a holy God if you've got sin in your life. And no matter what you do or how much you change, you'll never get rid of all the sin in your life. So the only way you can purify your robes or clean yourself up is by inviting Jesus into your heart. And he's the one who cleans you up from the inside out, the invitation. But also, there's a warning. And the warning is really, really clear. Don't change or add anything to this book. You're like, well, that's stupid. I'm not gonna change the book. Bible? Well, you do change the Bible when you say, yeah, that doesn't really work for me. 
You do change the Bible when you, when you try to redefine what you think and perceive that God meant by something. You do change the Bible when you contextualize the Bible through your own thinking and preferences rather than taking it for what it actually means. And what God is saying in this warning, this last chapter, this epilogue, this conclusion, this appendage, he's saying, if you change it or add anything to it, you'll never get into heaven. Either do what I tell you to do. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Jesus says, and don't do what I tell you to do. And then Jesus tells us in in this last chapter, the conclusion in verse 7, verse 12, verse 20, Jesus tells us the same thing. It's, it's kind of this summary statement. He's like, I am coming soon, Jesus. That's what he says three times in the last chapter. I am coming soon. And our response should be as it says in verse number 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. And there you have it. The book of Revelation. There are those of you today that you're spiritually parched and you're thirsty and you're searching for something and you know it. You spent your lifetime searching and there's got to be something or somebody or somewhere that will fill the emptiness on the inside. And the Spirit of God is saying, come, whoever you are, wherever you are, and taste the living water and you will never thirst again. And some people say, but I'm not good enough. The Spirit says, come now. Come as you are come and experience the grace of Jesus and all known and unknown confessed and unconfessed all of your sins will be forgiven and you will be able to drink from the living water and you'll never thirst again the book of Revelation scary, freaky, horrific painful what does the last verse of the last chapter of the last book of the Bible say. I'm glad you asked. Let's look at it. Here we go. After all of this, this is the final way that, that, that John ends this. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. The, the, the grace the unmerited favor. Some people like to say it's like a, an acrostic, a God's riches at Christ's expense, right? We, we like to think of it that way. Or, or, I mean, the, the grace, the, the, the peace that passes all understanding, the joy unspeakable and full of glory. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all God's people. What a beautiful way to end this. In other words, you need not be afraid. That's why when you read the book of Revelation, in light of who Jesus Christ is, if you're a Christian, you don't have to be scared because he's coming soon and he's a good God. He's the Alpha and the Omega. 
He's the Lamb of God. He's the righteous judge. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is the bridegroom that's coming back for his church to be with him forever and ever. May the grace of God be with God's people forever and ever. Amen. Would you bow your hearts and your heads with me? Some of you are feeling really uncomfortable right now. Maybe I'll remind you a little bit of when you were a kid and, and you knew you did wrong. And I don't know, your, maybe your parents weren't healthy enough to really work through those things with you and seemed like there was no way you could possibly make it right. It's like they, they enjoyed you living in the guilt of what you had done. I'm telling you, there is a way to make it right with God. You must repent of your sins and you must turn toward Jesus. You must invite him into your heart by praying. It's just a sincere prayer of repentance. You see, you're trapped in a snare. Think of it as like a bear, a bear trap. Jesus is the only one who can get you free. And your snare might look like hatred. Your snare might look like unforgiveness. It might look like sexual immorality. It might look like stealing or lying or cheating. But it's all the same thing. It's all sin. And sin separates us from God. But today, you can be forgiven. You can be free. You can be saved. And your name can be written in the book of life. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I'm not going to close the book of Revelation by giving an invitation that is simple or easy. I'm going to give you a challenge right now. I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, I want you to stand to your feet if you're ready to give your life 100% to Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about like a little placate the statement. I'm talking about, okay, I'm all in Jesus. I don't want to miss the ride. I don't want to go through that hell on earth. I don't want to experience the wrath of God. And I certainly don't want to ever, ever, ever face God, forgive me if this is a scare tactic tool because it's not intended to be. I just want to speak the truth. And so if you're, if you're not sure if you know Jesus or not, the answer is you'll be sure if you do. So make sure today. When I get to three, I want you to stand up and everything inside of you, the devil is going to try to steal from you, keep you from God's best. When I get to three, you're going to stand and you're going to stand proudly. One, two, Three, just get, just get up. Just stand up. Just stand up. Just take a stand. God, nothing, nothing will separate me from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Mighty God, lift your hands up to Jesus. God, we surrender it all. There is nothing we are holding back. God, forgive us. Just say that. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart fresh and new right now, God. You increase and I decrease, God. Almighty God, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you, Jesus. Now with your head still bowed, I got one more question for you. How many would say, Troy, you know I'm a Christian, but I want to live every day with the unction, with the anticipation, the spiritual anticipation that Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. 
I need God to help me reprioritize my life around things that last forever. God, I need your help. Help me to live a life that, I, that expects that you're going to return today. And if not today, you're certainly coming tomorrow. If not tomorrow, then I know you're coming the next day. Help me to live with spiritual anticipation. If that's you, lift your hand up to the Lord right now. Say, God, I want to live that way. I want to live that way, God. God, I want that which is important to be important and that which is not important not to be important. God, would you help me prioritize things in my life in such a way that you would be preeminent. God, that you you, you would be in control. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you for those who truly want to live a life on earth that matters for all of eternity. Jesus, I pray that your spirit would do a work in us. Help us to reprioritize our lives around that which lasts forever. For we pray this in the mighty, powerful, holy, incredible, awesome name of Jesus Christ. And all God's children said, amen and amen and amen and amen. Come on now. Hallelujah. We're on the winning team. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest and may he give you peace. God bless you, New Life Church. Hallelujah. Have a great Sunday. Y'all are dismissed. Amen, amen, and amen.